Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about an impossible choice, more wins or more fun. Before we do that, Buddy, I want to show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Uh, on this podcast, we like to talk about games. And today, I guess we're we're focusing in on the like the core of how we approach certain types of games and certain types of right like experiences right um this has come out of me after three long years and like a month or so uh returning to play league of legends the new team fight tactics game came out and a whole bunch of like youtube videos and i was just like i wonder what league looks like or whatever and so i i hooked up with a couple of friends who you know i used to play league with a whole bunch and i've been slowly dipping my toes back into um Back into the game. And one of the things that has struck me so much about returning to League of Legends is how much the advice you are given from other players, right? Like, when you say, hey, what should I build on, right, Twisted Fate? The advice is always, I don't know, go look it up on champion.gg or pro builds or you know what what else or whatever other website where you can kind of like outsource this decision making. And the reason that that struck me so kind of thoroughly is because there was a time very early in my League of Legends career where first of all I would be able to make these decisions kind of intuitively. I would be able to look at all of the different items and say, you know, this and that would be really good and I'm going to go for this one first and that one, you know, like etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um but also just that I had no impulse to go look up a build somewhere and I felt pretty good about identifying the items that were in the game that would work well and like synergize with my campi- my champion's core kit. And there is a bit of a dissonance there, right? Like at what point do I farm out my choices to smarter people than myself to make more optimal decisions on my behalf such that I perform better, right? And that's the, that is the core of today's episode. At what point do we optimize our own enjoyment out of game experiences by engaging in, you know, a plethora of different decisions that look exactly like this? Yeah, and uh, uh, part of this is also besides the the League of Legends stuff that that Buddy was talking about. Um, there's this this blog post that's been floating around the internet for forever um, called uh, for it's for, actually from June 12, 2011. It's called Water Finds a Crack. I'll link it in the description. Um, and it's about these kinds of things how players will essentially optimize the fun out of the game uh, if if you let them. And, and I, I think the thing that's going to distinguish this particular uh, uh, podcast is it's not about like what designers can and have to do in order to stop that. It's it's about it's it's from the player perspective. Like if you choose to not engage in it, like maybe what like you know like what, what the trade offs there are. Is, is, is that's not accurate, buddy? Definitely. And I think that this comes from you know like in, in a macro sort of sense. I definitely understand why players approach it from this level because like especially in competitive games when you are competing in a pvp sort of scenario with other players or even just a pve scenario where you are competing with past versions of yourself or other people um who you are cooperatively trying to win the game with there is that sense that winning the game is the most fun you can have 
right? This is something that we talked about in terms of the Overwatch Jeff Kaplan thing where he had talked about how players say they want to win 50-50, but they actually want to win all the time. Um, and part of the problem is that we we do sort of conflate winning with fun in a certain sense, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And to a certain extent, we engage in this behavior because we assume that winning or completing the game or whatever else it kind of looks like will be the fun thing that will satisfy us kind of in that like fun way. But I don't actually think that that is like a necessary interaction between like winning and fun. I feel like looking at it from that, from that perspective um, actually kind of leads to a lot of disappointment uh, because when you do, you don't always feel good about the wins that you attain. And I kind of think that this speaks to a lot of the burnout that you end up seeing with gamers and with communities based around big games like League of Legends or, you know, even stuff like Destiny or WoW, right, that, like, people fall off of. Part of me thinks that it is because they kind of fall into these sorts of optimization traps that end up optimizing the fun out of their experience entirely. So I, 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 think, I think that's definitely... A factor. I, I don't. I don't think you're necessarily too far off base with with with, with some of that, um, especially when it's kind of like. I so I, so so. Tell me what you think of this, because because like it feels like part of this too is that, um, you can calculate what your theoretical maximum is, but when like loot games, there's no guarantee that you get the piece that you want. Um, and so if you're just running the same thing over and over again, trying to get a specific thing rather than, you know, like a reward that might be helpful for you, I think it can be, uh, maybe, uh, discouraging is the right way to put it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think that there are, that, you know, this is something that I think about and that I talk about from time to time, but there are these times when you can just kind of like see past the illusion of the game itself to its underlying mechanics. And I feel like that completely ruins my ability to engage in a fun way with the game, right? This is something that's happened to me in WoW before. When you do that thing where you're just like, I am just hitting buttons in a like at us in a certain kind of tempo in order to get like digital loot what is the point of all this once you hit that moment you have bottomed out there is nowhere else to go and i feel like the only answer is to just put the game down and it happens with everything right it's the same sort of thing that happens with like stellaris where you're just like i'm just upgrading buildings so that my pops can do whatever like what am i doing with my life um and and so it can happen with any kind of game, but I do think that this kind of like contributes to that growth and that sort of like feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely get that. That because essentially, in, in the worst version of all of these kinds of things that we're talking about, it's uh, it's it's essentially you're just kind of manipulating like. You see past the mechanic, you know. You see past kind of like the the gloss and or straight to the mechanics because that's effectively what optimizing this is like. Optimizing your gameplay is supposed to do right. It it breaks kind of yeah. the gloss in order to make you more efficient, right? Like the, the the famous example is always the loot cave in Destiny One, right? Like it's 
you know, it, 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 you, you really kind of fundamentally break what is supposed, what, what your, what the fantasy of that game is supposed to be, right? Like you're killing aliens and occasionally getting cool loot from it. Um, this is just kind of like you're, you're shooting things as they walk out of the cave. You're not a hero. You're just kind of like, you're just literally just holding a button, waiting for the right shinies to pop up. Um, and so I definitely think that that, that, that contributes to it. Um, but, uh, I, I do think that I do think that like it, that it, it has its place though. Like I, I don't I don't think that like there are some people I think who are going to get more joy out of just kind of like playing as playing for perfection rather than playing for uh, playing for the creative choices, which is kind of what this is. Or like um, I, another big example of this kind of behavior is is in trading card games, right? Like Magic: The Gathering or, or Hearthstone, uh, where you where you go in net deck. Um, uh, the the current meta decks and you figure out what's good and you use that instead. Um, I personally don't do that for much of these kind of same reasons, right? Like I'm I'm much more I really enjoy the construction of the decks and kind of like theory crafting and so net decking kind of kills that for me. But friend of the podcast Charles uh, uh, has said that he likes like say playing Hearthstone, but he hates trying to put together decks. He has, he, his mind doesn't, or his, he doesn't get any joy from it. And he, and he doesn't, I guess, see the kind of, he doesn't see the interactions clearly or something. I'm, I'm not super sure. So, about so why, I, here, but. here I think is the defense of people who like net deck or whatever. Um, cause I don't think that it is necessarily a kind of like brain dead. This is sometimes how it gets characterized in the Hearthstone community, right? Like, Oh, you're just like the brain dead autopilot of face hunter or whatever. Um, and you know, to a certain extent, that can be fair. I do think there are high-skill, low-skill decks, obviously, right? Like, I used to talk all the time about the Dead Man's Hand Warrior deck, which was incredibly skill-intensive because you had to constantly... You, you, were, you were playing the most intricate version of chess because it was all about what resources do I need to keep in my hand and shuffle back into my deck later while also staying alive on the board kind of thing, right? And it just made you... Like, you, you just had to think several, several turns ahead rather than just kind of in the present and a little bit into the future, like what tur- kind of... What turns is he going into where his power spikes kind of thing. Um, so there are definitely like high and low... Uh, low-skilled decks, but the thing that I think someone who net decks does is they kind of say, you know what, I'm going to take this strategy that someone else has kind of crafted for me, and it is up to me to kind of pilot it correctly, right? It is kind of the different, you know, like, I am still piloting the, it's the difference between, you know, piloting like a, like a crop, you know, uh, like a, what's the... A crop dro- I want to call it a crop dropper, but that's not what it is. The fucking, like, the airplanes that drop crop pesticides. Duster? A crop duster. It's like the difference between fi- f- flying a crop duster and, like, an F-16, right? Like, an F-16 is probably, I'm not a pilot, much harder to fly than a crop duster is. Or, like, you know, driving a Formula One race car is probably much harder to drive than driving a, you know, Prius. my Honda, yeah, my Honda Civic, right? And um, and I think that there is some legitimacy to that, right? Like, it is the, the tactical choices inside of each individual game, learning, you know, learning your matchups, learning the, you know, the power cards, what, what 
is the best way to kind of like optimize your tempo and all of these other kinds of things. That is the kind of choice and enjoyment that some folks would get out of it, right? Rather than, you know, the um the the more macro stuff where you are putting together the entire strategy like front to back. And I do think that there is something to be said about um, I do think that there is something to be said about that, and I definitely understand, like, the fun in that, right? Like, the, the fun of playing a champion like Yasuo in League of Legends is in executing really tight clutch plays with the dashes and the knockups and, you know, ulting and then getting your auto, like, weaving in <laughs> your auto attacks and doing a really strong wind wall that's going to block, right, like, whatever it is that's coming out um, uh, of the enemy team. All of those pieces of the champion are the fun pieces of the champion and deciding whether or not to build phantom dancer or static shiv is kind of like rote if that makes sense but i think that playing a game like imagine or not even imagine but playing a game like pillars of eternity or you know even like stellaris or ck2 i'm sure there are really optimized builds out there and i've seen some of this right um and i and i know that they they exist because i've heard people kind of like talk about them for builds for like how to take over the galaxy in a hundred years or whatever the case may be um but i think that that is the unfun way to play Stellaris, right? Like, the fun way to play Stellaris is to manage all of those macro decisions as they are <laughs> as they are being built up. Do you know what I mean? <coughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I don't... I, 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 think... I almost want to say that there is, like, a deep tactics kind of game and a deep strategic kind of game. And what you're sort of looking for in a, in a good game where you're optimizing is like you can optimize one or the other and and let it kind of be carried right like there isn't a ton of strategy to i feel like the military combat in stellaris it is mo- or i'm sorry a lot of a lot of tactics you generally create your fleet and throw it at the other guy's fleet and one of the fleets is going to be stronger and it's going to win do you know what i mean um and so all of the choices and all of the interesting decisions that you are making are you are making at the big macro strategic level. Whereas something in Hearthstone, I feel like Hearthstone might be a bad example, but something in like League of Legends might be like, you know, it is the in-game tactical decisions. Do I push out this lane or do I fall back so I don't overextend, right? Like those are the interesting choices that are being made kind of like tactically inside of the game. And so like, yeah, the fact that I build Static Shiv as the first item on Yasuo every single game without fail kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I, 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 I see that. Um... Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think I think a big component of this too, though, is kind of uh, pl- uh, adjacent player pressure. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, right? Like, you know, you play when you raid. You play with like a group, a close group that isn't all that good to begin with. So you know, they're not trying to push world first or anything. So playing suboptimally isn't exactly a deal breaker for that group but there are groups that where it is um similarly in you know league of legends right like when i was still playing i would do off meta builds because i thought they were neat um but if that causes us to lose the entire game because i'm 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 screwing around instead of playing 
seriously, that's that's got negative external impacts. And I mm-hmm. think that you know maybe sometimes those those th- that pressure is outsized, right? Like it doesn't, you know, to use the wow example, right? Like most of the time, the the tiny optimizations you make at the top don't matter for your average player. Um, but I do think that it's a real part of kind of why that happens. I also think that that, that that's a big part of why it contributes to burnout as well. Cause you can't like, even if you find yourself burning out, you can't just kind of switch because there's nothing to like, because there'll be so much backlash from kind of, uh, uh, from, from your adjacent players, if that makes sense. A follow. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I also think that there is something, like, in a certain sense, I think there's a difference between, like, the WoWs and the Hearthstones of the world and the, like, Final Fantasy XIVs and Magic the Gathering arenas. And part of that is, and this is something we've talked about before, but just, like, the elusive nature of the math that underlies, like, our gaming experiences. Right? And so, like, for instance, something that will kill enjoyment for people in wow very commonly is people understand um like simming and so what they'll do is they will thread their gear and they'll put it in a program that simulates how much dps they should be doing or whatever and that program will tell them it is more effective for you to have haste and crit than for you to have mastery and versatility okay fair enough right but what will happen then is they is a piece of loot will drop, and it'll be like 10, 15 eye level higher, right? But it will be carrying mastery and versatility in a slot that they have haste and crit, and they're like, ah, oh, man, this loot fucking sucks, right? Well, the loot doesn't suck. Obviously, it has power. It has plenty of power into the item, right? But, like, a whole ecosystem has kind of surrounded you such that you are kind of reevaluating how you look at certain items and what you consider to be an upgrade or not an upgrade. It isn't just there are bigger numbers here. It is this has the right secondaries for me. And to a certain extent, that that can be, like, helpful or whatever. Um, But I almost wonder, in a world where, for instance, 14 is very far from this they don't allow a lot of kind of like back-end interaction you can't do like logs and stuff like that in the same kind of way that you can with like world of warcraft like is is making the math so parsable a problem and a better example of this is the difference between magic the gathering arena and hearthstone because in hearthstone people can access like the data as it comes in and out of matches to give you the hard information on how certain like decks perform and certain cards inside of those decks perform um and that's not something that magic the gathering arena or for that matter paper magic really allow you to do right like you have a sense in the same kind of way that like you know a commentator might say oh this aggressive white weenie deck is favored against this you know whatever burn deck because the 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 white weenies have a little bit of lifesteal and that can get them over the top or something like that like you can kind of reason that stuff out but when i'm looking at you know 
HS Replay, which is, you know, which is the Hearthstone site that decodes all of this math in the back end or whatever. I'm not even make I'm not making those kinds of decisions anymore. I'm just I'm going to HS Replay and I'm saying, okay, what are the meta decks? The top meta deck right now is Mech Hunter. These are the core cards of it. The best matchup is against Control Mage. Its worst matchup is against Token Shaman, right? Like, what are the, you know, what are the mulligans that I want? What are the top performing cards that I want? Hunt, right like these are the kinds of decisions that get just made for you because we have access to thousands and thousands of hearthstone games being played all the time and that data is being filtered by this you know algorithm to tell you what is the most effective thing <coughs> yeah no no that that's that makes total and i wonder how much of that is, is is due to the fact that all like you know not not to dump on hearthstone or anything but that magic has less kind of mechanically calculable things in it, right? Like it, Magic has, has has a a bigger card space in Hearthstone, if only because it's been around for longer. And it's probably harder to kind of fully understand the implications of every card in the, in the Magic set kind of from the outside. Um, yeah. uh, and so it's, it's just it's a harder sell to do. Um and on top of that, on top of that, I also feel like it's it's harder to, like, I feel like with Hearthstone, it's easier to kind of, like, iterate through the variations of the deck that you're playing to, like, an endpoint. Um, like, that's, like, relatively finite, whereas, like, you know, I can keep tinkering with my magic decks kind of ad infinitum. Um, and uh, and there's just, like, kind of always more to, to go to. And, you know, not not that, like... I will, but because there's this is something I've talked about in the past. There's like larger variety of cards, and also a lot of a lot more cards that do the same thing. Um, you can tweak. Um, yeah, I bet you that that's part of it too. Even even if you like, even if you net deck in in MTGA, you can mod it yourself, or you you can you know switch things out yourself, or you can uh, or like you, a lot of times you have to because you just don't have the cards to do it which I think is a slightly less common experience than in Hearthstone, but I could be wrong about that. You can tell me. Yeah, and then, well, so, and then another piece of this that I think uh, that kind of, like, ekes its way into um, into it that is almost, like, a little bit problematic, I guess I would say, is the... Well, I, it's, 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 I guess it's not problematic, but it is, like, when you are searching for those minute... Uh, those like minute kind of advantages you can only really do that with like an hs replay right so like so for instance i follow a lot of the youtuber trump he talks about you know he plays decks or whatever but a lot of the time what he will do in the first couple of minutes in his youtube videos is he will pull up hs replay and he will say okay mech hunter is the top deck of the meta right Let, let's let's take a look at mech hunter and then he he pulls up the info and he says all right i'm going to sort this by the mulligan win rate what is the best card for me to keep in my hand okay that's zilliax what is the worst card okay that's animal companion what's the what's the card that when i when I play it, it is the worst card in my deck. Okay, that's also Animal Companion. Animal Companion is weak. What can I replace that with? And then you start looking and thinking and theorizing. And so, like, there is a version of things, I think, where people could say, like, the the advanced data that is there for Hearthstone um, allows you to more thoroughly kind of integrate with its complicated, um, with its complicated mechanics, right? 
And this, I think, is sort of the joy that I also found in, like, Europa Universalis in kind of, like, decoding the way that the trade systems work and then maximizing my trade uh, with my giant, you know, Spanish empire across the colonies and everything like that, right? Like, that's the kind of mastery. But the reason that I said that this was problematic is because, like, that requires such an in-depth knowledge of the systems at play that I almost wonder how, you know, like, I, th- I think that might be attainable for very hardcore power players, right? But if you aren't a hardcore power player, what is the best way for you to kind of, like, make these decisions? And the answer is you don't. You just you just load up the most popular version of this deck on HS Replay because you probably aren't smart enough to make the right you know, like, to make the right decisions about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, or maybe not smart enough, but you, you, you don't believe you are smart enough, regardless of whether that's true or not. There are plenty of people who will tweak the, tweak the deck because they think they're smart enough, even if they're not, you know, or, like, you know, they they can figure, they think they can figure it out, and vice versa, right? People, somebody who could probably come up with a better decision is like, I don't, you know, I'm not good enough. Um, but I definitely think that you're right about that. But I think at that point burnout's kind of unlikely right like so i I feel like i feel like a lot of this or maybe the balance here right is 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 the self-balancing mechanism is that if you're playing the game enough that this starts to be a problem you should start you should have essentially enough experience to start doing these things yourself and you can move out of the the optimal you know like the the out farmed optimal zone obviously this doesn't work for things like wow where it's kind of exact, you know, like the, 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 the rotations are kind of set or whatever. Um, but I do think it's, it's, it should be true for something like say Hearthstone or, or, or magic, right? Like at, at the point where you start not enjoying playing your net deck, you should start tweaking your net deck, right? Like that, that, that's the point at which you should have enough mastery to, to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, do you can you think of any other other places where, where where this is this is apparent? I I think I almost wonder if this is something that is a player based. Like maybe maybe we're talking about different kinds of players in the same way that like a magic player we might say this person's a Johnny this person's a Timmy sort of thing maybe there is something to be said for like this person is an optimizer this person is kind of like what what would we call this like a mechanics explorer um, who is who is trying who is doing all the off meta stuff who is going into and and getting their fingers into all the different systems to try and explore and see, you know, and see how it goes. And I think, and I think everybody's a little bit of both, right? Um, but something I've been doing recently is I've been playing a lot of Pillars of Eternity 2 because it added a turn-based mode. And at that point, it is just essentially playing a game of D&D where the computer is the dungeon master and you control the entire party um, because, like, all of the turns go in rounds and everything like that. Uh and that is a game that is fun because of the exploration of its mechanics, right? Like, I am getting these classes, and they are leveling up, and I am making the choices, like, wow, this is a really useful ability on my ranger, barbarian, whatever the case may be, um, and I want to empower this ability the next time I level up, right? Or, I got a really great sword, and I'm going to give it to my 
bar, you know, my dual wielding barbarian instead of my tank because the barbarian is going to make better use of you know like it's accuracy buff right like, and these things are all pretty easy to parse and pretty easy to see and i think that is kind of because of the tabletop roots there's not a lot of like back end stuff going on you just kind of get you just get a really good sense up front for the math that is uh that is going into some of these things um and that might be a game where it is, you know, like where the, a lot of the enjoyment does come out of the, you know, like come out of that sort of like strategy phase. And it's not like you should be going around looking up, hey, what's the best way to build my party in Pillars of Eternity 2 in order to like win the game or whatever the case may be. Um, whereas something like League of Legends where or, you know, like or Hearthstone or any other just like sort of like hyper competitive um experience like that i am farming a lot of my decisions out to kind of experts in the community and i am and i am not i'm not learning for myself what the best jungle route is i'm watching you know uh medios on stream does medios even still play league of legends who knows i'm watching medios on stream and i'm and i'm seeing what he recommends and i am and i'm letting him make that decision for me because in the instance of the game itself my ability to properly execute on the strategy that has been given to me by a pro player is going to be difficult does that make sense yeah no, ab- <laughs> absolutely i think i think you're 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 100 kind of on the mark i think i think part of this is 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 it comes down to one of your favorite things which is stakes um and in kind of a single player experience, you're looking just to beat the computer, which is often tuned to it's tuned to lose, right? Like ultimately, games are supposed to be beatable at some level, um, and so like in in your your uh, Pillars of Eternity example, um, going and looking it up kind of like is 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 almost unnecessary because the game's never going to be that hard. I guess I guess there are some people who would look up strategies to like speed run or whatever, but that's kind of, it's, but that's, that's introducing kind of like competitive stakes into the game because you're actually racing against an external thing. In that case, that's time. Um, but in a competitive game, the stakes are like, you know, the, the idea, the, the ex- expectation almost is that the other player is doing everything they can to win. Right. And that will probably include looking up these decisions that you're not, that, that, you know, you are. And so, yeah, uh, not looking it up is just more likely to make you, you know, it's it's there, there's not a lot of upside to it, especially when when the choices I guess are small, right? Like I think the deck building games that's that's such a big part of it that it that it's it's that's an easy barrier to overcome. But like you said, um, lol is much more about execution than it is about like you know coming up with unique item builds, and because of that, like the the benefit you can you can get from getting, you know, from mucking around with the item build. It's going to be much smaller and also much less likely to work out in your favor randomly, if that makes sense. And and this is the interesting thing, and part of what I find really interesting about LoL, because at the same time that I've been playing League of Legends, I've also been playing not a ton, but like a fair amount of Heroes of the Storm. And obviously they're both MOBAs, right? So you would think that they're pretty similar along along these kinds of lines. But I actually almost think that they couldn't be more different. One of the decisions that got made very early in Hearth- or I'm sorry, in Heroes of the Storm is they removed uh items from the game it used to be like league where you had creep score and you were you know you were csing 
and you would gain a certain amount of items, or you would sort of gain a certain amount of gold, and then put that gold into your character as items in order to kind of, like, power them up and make them stronger. And one of the very first decisions that got made in the earliest alphas of that game was to remove that aspect of the game Heroes of the Storm entirely. And instead what happens is every couple of levels, you gain, uh, you gain like, a talent tier, like in World of Warcraft, where you can pick between, you know three or four abilities that will empower your character with new passives or new actives or affect the way that your skills work, etc., etc. And over the course of the game, there's like seven of these decisions, ten of them, eight of them, I don't know. But a good number of these kinds of decisions. But one of the things that struck me um, about going so quickly from playing um, Heroes of the Storm to League of Legends is how much more readable the talents are in terms of making choices for your character and your build and your strategy than the items and it, it, the, the, the items and the masteries and all of that stuff, like all of those choices that you make in League of Legends are. And I think the reason is, is because Heroes of the Storm is trying to give you a little bit of that decision-making over the court, like that strategic top-level decision-making over the, the course of the game. And I do think that, you know, this isn't to say that, like, pro builds don't exist for Heroes of the Storm or anything like that, just that they are so much more parsable that I don't need to farm that out to a pro. I can understand, look, I'm playing Asmodan, and I want to throw... A globe nukes or whatever and so every time i level up i look at the different choices and i say well the last three times i've had a choice i have chosen to empower my dunking basketballs why don't i continue empowering my dunking basketballs more right and that's just like a, a much more intuitive decision that makes a lot of sense i can read about it and in 30 seconds understand this is the right choice for me. And I feel like a lot of players would probably look at that and say, oh, this game is for bitches. This game is for casuals. This game is for losers or kind of whatever. But I honestly sort of think that it, this game is just for a different category of player who doesn't enjoy, you know, looking up the the best performing champion builds on champion.dgg or whatever and likes to make them those decisions for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I do. Um, I don't know if I really have anything to add to that, though, unfortunately. I think that um, probably is the best example I can think of, of, like, the two different sorts of players in action. Because I, you know, li listen, I see a lot of people who kind of get mad about a lot of sort of small decisions across these different kinds of games, right? Like, oh, Final Fantasy fourteen is better. Oh, WoW is better. Oh, Hearthstone is better. Oh, MTGA is better, right? Like, here's the Storm and, and League of Legends have always sort of had a... Um, uh, like a rivalry dota and league of legends have always kind of have this same sort of you know rivalry because you can um what is it what is it called when you block creeps in dota that league creep block have? yeah creep block i guess um <laughs> you know so like there are these little things that do change the game quite a bit and i feel like maybe the answer is just to say <laughs> different strokes for different folks like yeah, not I mean, all players are you know fit into one kind of mold or another. No, I, and you know that that that's always true, but I, I think it is helpful to, to you know say to somebody if you're not having fun with this, maybe step back and examine what you're doing. I, I actually think you can draw a kind of interesting parallel to like tabletop games because I think that in something like Pathfinder or or Five E, 
it's the best example of something that you can like you know net deck for lack of a better term do a net build but there you have absolutely no reason to or no need to um Mm -hmm. just because of the way that things i mean you might have a minor need to for like inter-party reasons but like making unoptimal decisions in dungeons and dragons is rarely ever a problem unless it's like aggressively unoptimized right like unless you're unless you're actively making poor choices like yeah not making the optimal choice doesn't usually matter but people still you know people still write guides people still go for it anyway people still enjoy playing that way um uh to to the max and people still get upset when they can't execute on that kind of thing just no and i I think that's very real in fact we had a conversation about this about starfinder right but i do think that there is such a thing as like a too balanced a game that is too balanced right part of these games is the feeling of like unfair dominance over you know in league of legends if you're 13 and 0 and you're really fed and you just like are addicted to that feeling of like kicking the crap out of everybody else in the game because you're so far ahead or whatever right like that's one version of it but another version of it that is prevalent in i would say like pathfinder and stuff like that is that version where you are taking advantage of the system right and you are finding the the coolest ways to make the most powerful builds in the system and i hear this all the time from players right people will come in and they will say things like oh my god my build in in D&D or my build in Pathfinder is so dumb and it's crazy and it's so powerful and I love it and they'll sit down and they'll explain it and like that that level of kind of connection that people have to those sorts of like builds and those sorts of archetypes I think is built on a foundation of I am so much smarter than the system look at how cool I can be by beating it if in a way and a game like Starfinder that I think is very well balanced um into especially in terms of like probabilities and averages and per turn you know like all of that kind of stuff when every you know like when everybody is is kind of kept in line and kept in check there isn't that same level of like i did something really crazy and cool that has blown my build up so that i do a gazillion damage to the dragon you know right away does it make sense yeah so i I, the only thing i want to challenge there is i don't know if it's necessarily like balance that's the issue i think it's 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 exceptionality which is similar right like it's not that like you are on like you know i think yes you've got a point that there is some joy to be taken out of like quote unquote breaking the system but like um i think another part of this is like you being able to make your character do something that isn't necessarily unbalanced but better than anybody else can do right like uh, you know, the classic Pathfinder example, right? Like the the maneuvers guy can do maneuvers better than any other um any other person on his team. And I think with Starfinder, uh that that problem is essentially uh that you can't like you can do things but you can't be you know, you're only like two or three better than anybody else. Five E is very has a very flat curve, but it um, it maintains that by giving everybody kind of unique powers that are all kind of balanced against each other, but are big splashes. They're kind of like the defining things, right? Like my, my warlock casts fireball. Nobody else on my team does that. And that's like big AOE damage. I'm the only one that's really good at that. Um, the paladin has smite, um, and he can deal out big single target damage. And he's probably the best at that. Um, and 
even though kind of we're all balanced against each other, um, our exceptionalism is, is kind of what carries the, the characters forward. Um, and I think that this, this to, to bring it back to the video games thing, is that when you're net decking, you, you don't have that exceptionalism, especially if you're net decking because you're, mo- you're very likely to run into somebody else who's also net decking out in the wild. And so you, you, you don't get that exceptionalism thing, even, even if you're, you're doing well. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I also think that tabletops are an interesting way to sort of explore this because one of the unique things about tabletops is that balance happens on the fly, right? Because you are, you know, like in League of Legends, the uh, like I personally in my individual game am not ever in contention with like the like the developers who can design around me, right? If I'm playing the very best champion in the game, whoever that is, right? Like, let's say Yasuo is the very best champion in the game, and he's really broken. It's not like a designer will walk into my game and say, you know what, Yasuo's Q does 10% less damage now. At the 15-minute mark, I'm going to nerf you sort of thing, right? Like, nerfs happen in big balance patches that, you know, that are week-to-week, uh tweaks of the entire game for the entire player base whereas a tabletop game that is something that absolutely could happen right if you are a player who is dominating your like dominating the experience in my D game i might say you know what this spell that's level two is now level three or something like that or i might say you know you aren't allowed to take this thing and combine it with that thing for whatever kind of like arbitrary reason right like you know for instance in the path or i'm sorry in the in the adventure league which is the D 5e pathfinder society kind of equivalent um one of the common rules but not always enforced rules is the idea that um you can only it's like one plus one or something which is the core rule book plus one extra book you can't you can't pick and choose from everything available in the which is sort of like the pathfinder approach sometimes right like if you're just if you're building your character off you know pathfindersrd.com um you have absolutely you have access to absolutely everything that has ever been published for pathfinder but the the idea is that if there is some really broken combination of some you know something posted in a in an article on the website as just like an alternate build for rogue plus xanathar's guide to everything plus the forgotten realms campaign guide or whatever it is do you know what i mean um and you can you can't combine those two those three things together you are only limited to one other book besides the core rule book or whatever um those are the kinds of decisions that can be made inside of your campaign by the gm who can manually tweak and balance kind of around you and um and i don't really know what that has to do with any of this stuff but i just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up yeah no uh <laughs> i mean it's 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 a way to kind of, I guess, uh, but that's that's kind of like an external. That's more like that kind of like dev balancing <laughs> aspect that you're talking about, right? Like, um, I actually think that, that that the thing you were talking about, which is like you know active balance by the GM, can actually be dangerous for this, just because you know a player optimizes if a player optimizes himself to say be good at tripping, and you all of a sudden make every enemy like you know either floating or has like six legs. You're kind of like shitting on that person's fun in a way that's, you know, yeah, renders, absolutely. Yeah, renders their character not useful, which is not great. Um, and so, 
I, I again, I think that's part of why this is also part of why, like, you know, net net building a D and D character is is a weird idea in the first place. But yeah. uh, and and I think that there's something interesting to kind of be said about like that in terms of like balance in general, right? Like, we all want a balanced game, obviously. Um, and we all want, like, we we like picking apart balance and talking about it. We've done segments on this show that talk explicitly about balance changes for, you know, a multitude of different kind of games and, like, evaluating, is this a good change, is this a bad change, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, like, this, this is something we talked about with Hearthstone where, like, the best deck in the game was Tempo Rogue and the only counter to Tempo Rogue was Control Warrior – and Control Warrior had basically negative matchups with everybody except for Tempo Rogue, but the number of Tempo Rogues on the ladder made the number of Control Warriors on the ladder super high or whatever. And so when Blizzard chose to nerf Tempo Rogue, they made a decision that everyone feared was going to result in Control Warrior takes over the meta, which didn't obviously happen, right? But, like, there is obviously a world where they say, oh, Control Warrior is all over the meta. Let's nerf a bunch of Control Warrior cards and a bunch of Tempo Tempo Rogue cards, right? Which would have been a bad move, right? They would have nerfed Warrior into the ground because the only reason Warrior was strong was because Rogue was strong. And there's a whole lot of, like, interconnected sorts of pieces like this that I think make it kind of hard to evaluate... Um, what is kind of like true balance? It will always be subjective because even when we do take a look at the objective pieces, like these are the highest drawn win rate cards, these are the best win rate decks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, it creates its own kind of like ecosystem, and changing one aspect of that ecosystem might change others. Um, and and so I don't know, like that is a uh, that is a, that's a hard thing to do, and and I and I, it's one of those things where like players will frequently kind of get involved and sort of say, "Hey, listen, you are ruining my fun by making this, you know, like by making this choice, by making this kind of decision." I want to be able to, you know, make the kind of uh, make the kind of plays on this overpowered champion or i want to be able to climb on this overpowered deck but it does come at the expense of the kind of choices that everybody else gets to make in that ecosystem because you are responding to something that is so far kind of like out of whack i guess yeah no that 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 makes that that makes sense this is such a tangent that we got on yeah but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the the one thing I, I do want to kind of like talk about a little bit is my own sort of experience with some of these mechanics. I feel like I fall in between the two because obviously I enjoy games that, that are like Total War, that are like Stellaris, that have these big macro um, kind of strategic decisions. But I also enjoy games like World of Warcraft and like Hearthstone where I'm piloting net decks um, and I'm looking up the best builds for champions on champion.gg or whatever. Um, but the, the starkest kind of example of this that I can give for myself is when it comes to how hard I was raiding in World of Warcraft in the last expansion, in the Legion expansion, um, where I was literally farming out all of these decisions to calculators, 
right? And to professionals who are just telling me this thing is the best and I, here's the math to kind of, um, here's the math to kind of prove it. Because what ended up happening is that in my raid encounters, right, all I was really doing was staring at my own DPS meter and looking at the numbers. And if my numbers were high, I was having fun. And if my numbers were low, I wasn't, right? And that translated to a this this depleting diminishing returns of fun where i found myself in a situation where i'm playing my you know like i'm playing my my warrior um and if if i'm not top dps or in the top 3 i'm not having fun if i'm worse than last week if i know that i did 18k dps last week but i'm only doing 16k this week I'm not having fun. I know that every time I get a piece of loot, it's not enjoyable because I have to sit down and sim it and see whether or not that 15 eye level upgrade is actually going to transition, translate into more DPS. And by the time that I've even made the decision, yep, this is going to give me an edge, right? I'm going to get 50 average DPS by equipping this item or whatever. All of the thrill of getting a new item off of a boss is completely gone, right? Um, and that one of the biggest changes that I made in order to help me not hate the game and myself was to just uninstall my DPS meter and go, I am going to make these decisions for myself. I am going to choose the Azerite traits that I think look good, and I am going to not choose the Azerite traits that don't look fun, and I'm going to, this is going to be what my rotation looks like, this is going to be the trinkets that I'm looking for, XYZ, and... um and I think that's kind of like how I solved my own sort of burnout with, uh, with like raiding and with playing World of Warcraft by specifically not optimizing anymore and just kind of trusting my own like instincts and acumen to make the right sorts of the right sorts of decisions. And I feel like more players should be kind of like willing to do that in in games because the win isn't always fun even though we think it is and sometimes i would you like you would rather play the you would rather play the game well than um than let someone else kind of like play the game for you in a sense does that make sense i think it does i don't know if i necessarily buy that the win isn't always fun i think it's more that it's maybe not the most fun I feel like if you're ever at a place where the win isn't fun, that playing <coughs> that that playing that that playing something like playing otherwise isn't like if you're not winning, then it's still not going to be fun, right? Like even See, in your, uh, yeah, your, I mean, I I think that this is something that comes into it, and I've seen it with people, and I remember feeling this when I was playing like StarCraft Two is the best example of this, where every time I won. It felt like a fluke. It felt like I was playing against a fucking idiot. You know, like a stupid dummy who didn't deserve to be playing in this rank or whatever. And I just got like a free win or whatever. But every time I lost, I felt like I, you know, I tried so hard and I fought really well and I just couldn't and I just like couldn't make it out. And that had this feeling of like every time I lost playing StarCraft 2 it felt awful and every time i won it was completely empty do you know what i mean yeah but uh, but but would changing how you were like is is that directly because you were 
following net guides on how to no 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 i'm just saying like that's the that's a very similar thing happened to me in league of legends and i think it also it also happens it happens in league and it happens in hearthstone um and we talked about this last week in last week's episode when it came to like rng um in strategy games and i think kind of my overall point is maybe like we need to accept more entropy into our lives than than that like playing the highest win rate deck even the highest win rate deck now in Hearthstone has a 55% win rate. Do you know what I mean? So, like, 11 times out of 20, you are going to win. 9 times out of 20, you are going to lose. That's almost a 50%, you know, like, that's almost a 50% win-loss rate. And so there's this kind of conflation that we have where we hear, you know... 55% and we know it's greater than 50% and we know that that's the highest win rate deck available but like we're still gonna lose a lot of the time with that deck and that's okay right um even if I'm playing the highest win rate champion even if I'm playing the highest win rate builds even if I'm you know doing all of this other stuff correctly like there are some times when you just lose and uh and we never like I feel like we just don't want to ever accept that we always want there to be an example of i could have played better when sometimes it is just you know you just lose because that's what happens do you know what i mean yeah but i don't know if like but i think if it is literally i could have <coughs> i could have played better that's fine the thing that we're talking about here is that i could have or you know if, if the answer is i could have played better like i could have played more skillfully then it's fine. The thing we're talking about here is, like, I could have won if I had, you know, done my homework better, which is the thing I think that that's frustrating, right? Because, like, you know, it, it's 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 a lack of uh, – it, it's kind of like a thing that should have been easily doable, but it isn't. Or, like, you know, your your choice to, to do something different and not do the same thing is, is ultimately what causes the loss. And I think that's what causes the burnout because I don't, like – I think what you're talking about with the WoW thing is is, is a relatively unique circumstance, right? Um, I think in most cases, like, it it is going to be hard, if not impossible, to kind of not be faced with the fact that the choices you are making are responsible for your losses uh, in in a lot of ways, Especially, especially with, like, the very kind of basest version of these right like 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 huh. in, in, in things where like you know like the deck builders i think that there's enough there that like it, it that's the, that it escapes this but like places where it's very static numbers right like say your build uh order in in uh in league of legends um or your itemization in league of legends i think you're going to be faced down pretty hard with the fact that you are making suboptimal decisions and that's potentially causing you to lose if, if and when you lose. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I think I get that. And I think I kind of agree. I do think, like, it, it definitely does apply to more things than just wow. Like, I feel like there are certain times when and other places I would want to be. Like, for instance, I don't think anybody who ever plays Stellaris or Total War should go... I mean, well, I don't want to be too prescriptive, but, like, you know, in general, this could be something that makes sense to me from a Stellaris or Total War sort of 
point of view, right? If you are just playing these games snowballing out of control because you know, like, the best builds or whatever the case may be, right? Like, maybe the answer is just to not look up the most broken way to structure your economy or your or whatever to, like, completely, like, take over the game because, like, that will ruin, you know, like, that will ruin your own ability to, like, enjoy things. Um, I think that's fair. I think that that's... That, that's a fair choice to to make. It's the same sort of thing. Like I was like we were talking about um, when it came to robes of gaudiness, the the item in the in the single player mode of uh, of Hearthstone. Like I think it is a fair choice to say robes of gaudiness is the absolute best treasure, and you basically win as soon as you pick it, right? But it is it is an okay choice to not like to not pick it in order to have more fun because you are like you are optimizing yourself for that. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I think this is the stakes question again, right? Like, if you were, <coughs> say, playing, you know, ranked on the ladder, or, you know, especially with a team game, and, it, like, it, instead of being a PvE thing, it was a PvP thing, mm-hmm. then it's much harder to not pick Robes of Gaudiness, because you know your opponent's going to pick it if they have the opportunity, um, and especially, like I said, if you're in a team thing, if you make the suboptimal choice, you're, you're negatively affecting other people as well. Um, so I think that makes that choice a lot harder to to make um, in kind of that in kind of that multiplayer context. Okay, I get that. That's fair, I, I suppose. Um, but uh, but I guess that's it. On this topic. Yeah. Well, uh, so so I, I do want to close out with one thought on, on that thing that, that I just mentioned because I think this actually is, is a is a thing that leads back into your WoW example, right? Like, you are not making – you not, you know, following the guides on the internet is not what is making the difference between your raid clearing and not clearing fights, right? If it was, it would probably be a problem. But at this point, since it's just your own personal enjoyment that you're screwing around with, then it's not a problem. Does does, does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I, and I do have an obligation to my raid group, right? Um, I have since transitioned into tanking, which is, to be honest, much more um, – like tanking is a lot less about managing um, the different – because you don't have something like – DPS to worry about and trying to hit high numbers in DPS as a tank. You don't have to worry about this stuff kind of in general. Um, but the uh, there like I do I do have an obligation to my raid group, and if I am not performing in a DPS like in my in my DPS role, that could be problematic, sort of like socially. Part of it, I mean, like part of it is that I knew I was in a safe place. We're a very casual raid group, and I am a good player with good instincts about how to perform. So even when I am not doing optimal things, I'm doing pretty good, right? Right. Um, so it's not like I'm going to get, you know, it's not like I'm going to get benched or whatever, but, like, I couldn't be doing the heroic raids that I was doing in Legion where I was, like, really pushing kind of cutting-edge content um, anymore without without doing this optimization stuff. That's 100% true. Yeah. Is that a good place to leave it? Yeah, I guess, I guess that is a good place to leave it. Um, did you play like any games this week that you that you want to talk about? Mango Mango went on a field trip, so yeah. Uh, I so I played Cadence of Hyrule and uh, and Brass. <coughs> Brass is a, a tabletop game, or it's a it's a board game. It's a uh, it's a Euro game. Uh, you know, it's all about it's like 
age of industry, building factories of various century types and getting victory points. Very Euro game, very fun. A lot of kind of deep strategy. Um, I'd love to play it some more. I think if we get the opportunity, we should maybe play it at Gen Con or something. Um, uh, but it's it's I highly recommend it to anybody out there. If you like Euro games, you'll 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 like Brass. Um, uh, the other game is Cadence of Hyrule, which is um, a newly released game on the Switch by the person who made uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, which I believe I've talked about before briefly. I haven't played. Oh a ton yeah, of it. yeah. Um, uh, but Crypt, I, I never put a ton of time into Crypt of the Necrodancer, but Cadence of Hyrule kind of follows the same stuff. You have to like it's essentially a roguelike where you move to the beat in order to get bonuses. Um, but it's Zelda themed, right? Like this is kind of a big deal because it's the first time Nintendo has given control of a major IP, even in kind of like an, an off-canon sense, to a to an indie studio. Um, and it's a great game. Um, I highly recommend that everybody go check it out. Um, it's not as hard as I remember Crypt of the Necrodancer being. Um, I might go back to that game when I'm done with this, just because it's like you said, I'm having such a blast with Cadence of Hyrule. Um, and it's. Uh, I don't know it's charming and it's a great way to to kind of kill time on the go with 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 the switch. Um yeah. I really enjoy these um <clears throat> I really enjoy these uh different like iterations on kind of like roguelike mechanics that kind of keep we we keep spreading out. I feel like roguelikes are kind of like the new RPG in the sense that like it is its mechanics are being pulled and put into everything else for some reason in like the 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 2010s, um, and it seems to be like a very fertile field for uh, for new ways to kind of like play the game. Uh, maybe this is like a replayability sort of like point. Yeah, but. no. If, if I'm going to be super cynical, it's kind of the new Nintendo hard, right? Like in order to make the some the somewhat short content spread a little bit more, you make death more punishing. Um, uh, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, but like when, when you mix like this kind of gold mixture of procedural generation and meaningful permadeath kind of mixed together, like you can make shorter games a lot longer. Um, yeah. And, and, and like, it, it is always fun going for like those really broken builds or not even broken builds, but just like those fun builds, right? Like, um, I'm trying to think of like a good example of this that that's happened to me recently. I feel like I had a oh like I had a really cool Hearthstone run in the dungeon run mode where um, I kept I I was playing Paladin and I had this one card called Dragon Speaker. Dragon Speaker is a five mana card. When it comes into play, give all dragons in your hand plus three plus three. I ended up with five Dragon Speakers in my deck and just like a deck full of dragons. And it was just like a fun way to play the game because like, you know, five mana is a lot of mana and you're giving up kind of a lot of tempo to sort of center your whole game plan around buff the dragons in your hand so that when they slam on the board, they're like 28, 28s or whatever the case may be. Um, but that's ended, that ended up being kind of how, uh, how like the run played out where I was playing through these early game turns, trying desperately not to die as I'm trying to slam as many dragon speakers as I possibly can to, to get, you know, like these fat dragons, these fat late game dragons to just like win the game or whatever. And that was like a really fun build and I won my run or whatever. And I'm probably never going to see that build again. Right. Like it was just such a unique sort of uh, it was such a unique sort of way to structure your deck that I would be really tough for me to make another version of it. Um, 
but uh, but I think that, that that is sort of like the appeal of the roguelike when you get a really yeah. crazy you know set of combinations of guns or treasures or kind of like whatever else um, to make your to like to make your run work. Yeah, and then you, you get a really good combination, and you have a really successful <laughs> run, and then when you die, you're like, oh, I'm done with this for now, because I'm probably not going to get that for a while. And um, yeah, yeah. You, you put it down, you play you play again the next day. Which is uh, funny, because I've been playing, so like, the, a big game that I've been playing a lot of is Pillars of Eternity 2, and the big thing that Pillars of Eternity did is they added this turn-based mode, which I've talked about how it's like, adding the turn-based mode to Pillars of Eternity, like, solved all of my issues with playing these CRPGs, just because I hated the real-time, possible you know, like a mechanics of it. I just like couldn't get into um I couldn't get into the like it's so close to tabletop RPGs, but it's not quite there. Um sort of thing. But one of the things that I have been really enamored about, and this is something that Obsidian has always been good at, is the is like the multiple pathways to achieving a quest kind of like victories. Um and that stuff is so cool and so fun. Like, I had this whole playthrough, like, the, you know, one of the things that happens, it's a pirate-based game, and one of the things that happens, very small spoilers for one quest, is, uh, is like, an enemy pirate attacks your ship and gets away, or whatever, um, and you can go hunt down that pirate and kill him, right? And he leads this whole town, um, but, like, he's really unpopular, and he's a huge dick to everybody, and he's protected by really powerful guards. So it's like, how are you going to get him away from his super powerful guards and the first plan i had was to like go make a huge party and that he would come down and play at the party and then you would get him drunk and kill him right but then halfway through executing that plan as i'm like sneaking through the dungeons or whatever i found out that there was this completely alternate plan where this one guy was like yo listen i really want to steal the captain's ship so here's what i want you to do go free my crew from the brig and we will sail his ship out of the harbor and as soon as that happens, he's going to come after us and you can ambush him or whatever. And so, like, in the middle of planning this, par- like, party and this raucous party is, like, going on, I'm also going down into the brig and freeing these sailors and those sailors are, you know, stealing his ship. And I eventually did, like, you know, ambush him um, ambush him or whatever and even then there was like the opportunity where he was like hey listen you don't have to kill me bud we can be friends but i was like nah you dead sucker um and it's just like all of those those uh those kind of like choice path things i have not played a game like this in so long but it gives me that like warm fuzzy feeling um from like the mass effect two days that i have been that i've been jonesing for apparently i guess you you all you're I feel like you're always jonesing for Mass Effect two. That's true. I am always jonesing for Mass Effect two, um, <laughs> especially since Bioware has been bad since then. Oh, how oh! hot takes? I'm, yeah, I actually yeah. haven't. I wonder what's going on with Anthem. Should I go to the Anthem subreddit? Nothing. It's be really nothing awesome. good. Yeah, everyone's gonna fucking. It's. <laughs> I still really enjoyed that game, but I eventually just kind of maxed out on my stuff and. Uh, well. Genuinely disappointed. One of the top threads. Anthem is the inevitable result of corporate culture. Uh, that's a take. Um, I think it's probably right. Like, like this it, it, Anthem screams designed by committee to maximize profit. Yeah, uh, that is. Uh, that is. I mean, I do think that there are some like legitimate decisions in there. Sure. Um, th- obviously, that core gameplay loop is the only thing that Anthem has going for it. Uh, but I, I would definitely agree that it is surrounded by a bunch of dumb shit. 
that is like corporate designed by committee bullshit. Whatever. I'm sure I'll end up playing that game again just because I always end up going back. Yeah, to it'll, it, unless EA completely abandons it, in two years it'll probably be good. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> I can't wait for all of the YouTube videos like, they finally made Anthem worthwhile. Oh, that's actually something I, I wanted to talk about a little bit. It's something that's been coming up um, in, the, in like the WoW community recently. Okay, so next week is WoW's next big content patch, 8.2. Um, it's like the big stuff with uh, as Shara or whatever. And, um, and there's, uh, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, a big groundswell of hype. But something that's been really interesting is the community feels betrayed by content creators, like YouTubers, praising 8.2, right? Um, so like one of the big guys, uh, is like Bellular or whatever. And he said, and he's like, all of the stuff in 8.2 looks great. I feel like they've addressed a lot of, like, the feedback I've had or whatever. Asmongold is the top WoW streamer, and he recently said on his WoW stream, he was like, I'm really excited to go back for 8.2 because, like, all of the things that burnt me out on on BFA are things that they seem to have changed. Um, and so I'm really excited to, like, to, like, get back into it. And there has been all of this community backlash against the content creators for, like, changing their mind at the impulse of new information that like wow is going to be good again um and so um and a one of the former a former designer on wow was sort of talking about uh like angry gaming youtubers and how they sort of like influenced like the discourse right um one of the the, he, he was responding to a thread that was a little bit different um there was a Twitter thread where someone was talking about just casually talking to gamers who were peddling essentially, like, some really hardcore misinformation just because, like, YouTube angry men told them this was the case. Um, the example given was that Call of Duty had cens- had been censored by journalists because of one, like, dependent clause in a Kotaku article that seemed to suggest that they that the designers of call of duty changed something um during like during development or whatever and how this guy got like 20 minutes of an angry rant about how games are being censored by you know like over overzealous journalists but the the point of that was that like this average consumer that the person was talking about was like oh man i'm really excited for you know call of duty but it really it's a it's a shame that they removed this or that because of out like you know outrage when there was an outrage at all it's just the the source that they're coming from um is completely overhyped and overblown and i think that that same sort of thing is true of the wow community right um and it might just be because of like honestly just like clickbait video titles like even now you know like bellular is a smart guy and he does pretty good like videos in the um like, in the content of his YouTube videos, right? But all of his video names on YouTube, like, all of the thumbnails, will have these super, super clickbait titles, right? Like, you know, the Blizz did it again, the Fun Police claimed another part of WoW, right? Like, um, you know, the, the, all of them are 
talking about 8.5% of players gone. Blizzard just lost, you know, their personal ad- app-selling data and and the strengths of 8.2, right? Like, these are incredible, hugely overblown kind of clickbait titles are giving people a sense of the game that is not actually, that is not actually real or true. I don't really know... Um, I don't really know how to handle that, but I definitely think that, like, it is a thing. Um, and it's something that I just wanted to bring up to get your your thoughts on. I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is, <laughs> is, you know, I am I am hesitant to believe you when you say none of these things are true because you're, you're a pretty big apologist most of the time. Not that there's necessarily a problem with that, but, like, you know... You continue to insist, you know, like your comments about Anthem are kind of indicative of the fact that, like, you're 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 more forgiving than the average person, right? In your comments about, say, Mass Effect and Andromeda, which is fine, but like, I don't know. I, I think in some ways you're a little bit too fast to to uh, dispose people's or to to discard people's opinions as being uh, as being unfounded when maybe they're just kind of different. Um, but along with that, I think the bigger answer is is less kind of like conspiracy and more this is how you get clicks on YouTube and that's how these people make money. And even if they want to do good work, they can't. Or they want to do more honest work, they can't because uh, then they won't get the yeah, clicks. Yeah, I definitely do want to be clear. I don't think it is a conspiracy, right? I think it's just a natural sort of like this this kind of – outrage hype cycle surrounding certain like certain aspects of certain games and i by the way i do want to you know like listen i played imperator and for like you know two hours or whatever and i absolutely agreed with the criticisms around mana and how that game didn't feel you know strong or um like fun to play so i definitely understand being on kind of the opposite end of that you know like being on the opposite end of that kind of uh that kind of train i i honestly feel like when it comes to like battle for azeroth um like that is probably the best example of a situation where i'm right and the community is wrong they overreacted to you know they changed it now it sucks um and we're kind of seeing, like, the sort of comeuppance for that, I guess, with, like, 8.2, where they made they made changes that addressed very legitimate feedback. But the truth of the matter is that Battle for Azeroth is basically the same expansion as Legion, in a mecha- like, from a mechanics point of view. Um, like, the Azerite traits not being great, and um, the Azerite traits not being great, and the story getting off its feet being really rocky like i think those are very legitimate kind of like seeds of criticism and like the the negative feedback but i feel like that blew up by folks into something that is much larger to sustain than kind of like the actual sort of reality of what playing world of warcraft is like something that i've been doing recently is i've been getting back into playing like mythic keystone dungeons with people and the universal feedback that everybody has been giving is like wow i forgot how fun these are right and in a certain sense like yeah they are a lot of fun and we kind of forgot how fun they were because you know nobody everybody says bfa is dead and wow sucks and so we're not playing the game but when you actually take a second to get a group of people together to play the game it is enjoyable and it is a lot more fun than you would uh than you would give it credit for 
So I don't know. I definitely I understand that uh, I understand that I do come off as an apologist because I will go to bat for I will I will bat against the community where I think the community is is definitely wrong. But I I very much feel like World of Warcraft is in a situation where the the negative the negativity spiral was accelerated by untruth, if that makes sense. Um and that now that those untruths are kind of being laid to bear, um, th- it's it's creating this weird dissonance for people who are going, but Asmongold, WoW sucks. The only good WoW was WoW Classic. How are you telling us that you're going back to 8.2 when, you know, when you also told us that that game is garbage or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, I also, I, I don't know. I, like, there's, there's also part of me that wants to, to, like, I, I don't play WoW anymore, obviously. But there's, there's part of me that also wants to think that, like, something being fun doesn't necessarily mean, like, like, perhaps it is true that Mythic Keystone Dungeons are fun. Um, but a lot of things are fun with your friends, even if it's not worth your time otherwise. And I, I, I guess the kind of bigger driving force here is, is it worth $15 a month? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think I think a big part of it, too, is like, like the people who are loud are the people who care the most, and they tend to have the most extreme opinions. Yeah. Uh, I also I think, think that people want to they, – they, they want the extreme opinions, right? You don't want, you know – I feel like I feel like you want it to be amazing or terrible, and there isn't a lot of room for like the there isn't a lot of room for in between those two. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like it's, this is this is something that comes it comes up all the time where people talk about Legion and they say, "Oh my God, Legion was so great," and this is why this is the core dissonance that I always like target in on because I think it's the most like illustrative, I suppose. Um, Legion is basically BFA. They are functionally the same game in terms of all of the big major systems uh, that are present in one are present in the other. And even if you want to say something like, you know, (coughs) Azerite sucks. Okay, fine. Fair enough. The Azerite armor system is, like, not as great as the, you know, the, the legendary weapons or whatever. That still just makes BFA a little bit worse than than Legion was. Um, and I think that that is the, the, the dissonance between BFA is terrible and Legion was amazing is the thing that highlights how people are warped kind of from the reality of the situation, uh, when it comes to the different, you know, like when it comes to the different games and the different experiences. So, you know, that's the thing. Anyway, the other thing that I've been playing is League of Legends, which is weird. I told myself I would never go back to this game. We, I've talked about this on the podcast a million times. Um, but the new, have you seen like Auto Chess, the team fight tactics thing that they have? Uh, I have heard the name Auto Chess whispered by various gamers, and it looked like a mobile game, so I immediately paid zero attention to it. So tell really? me about Auto Chess. I, so, funnily enough, I have never played Auto Chess, but Auto Chess was huge in the Hearthstone community last year. Um, because Hearthstone, last year, there was kind of like a dead zone um, 
in the middle of the year, the middle expansion Boomsday project kind of was not great. Um, and so a lot of people fell off of playing Hearthstone. Um, like a lot of the big streamers sort of like fell off of playing Hearthstone. And so a lot of them ended up playing Auto Chess, which is this Dota 2 mod that where instead of where it's actually all strategy, instead of doing like, you know, I am piloting my one champion or whatever um, and taking them into a fight and I'm, and I'm controlling their QWE, all that stuff. The champions will play themselves and what you do is you are building out a roster, you're giving them items, right? Um, and you are uh, upgrading them by by uh, giving them like experience and stuff like that. Um Winning battles gives you gold. Losing battles... I don't actually think losing battles loses you gold. But, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so, the big thing that got announced is at uh, E3, Riot announced that they're doing their own version of Auto Chess, which is called Team Fight Tactics with all the League of Legends characters. And a whole bunch of, you know, the Hearthstone streamers, right, like Disguised Toast, um, have been playing Auto Chess. Uh or have been playing team fight tactics and just watching them play team fight tactics uh has put me in like a nostalgic mood for League of Legends like oh man i remember Volibear you know like oh cool i remember whatever Caitlyn or whatever the case may be um and so and so I talked to a couple of uh I talked to a couple of my friends and started playing League of Legends again and it's been very weird because they changed a lot about this game. And also some of it is still the same. The biggest thing that I have learned is that I'm really bad at CSing. That's the biggest skill that I've kind of like fallen off of. Um But, you know, it uh the the core mechanics are pretty similar and outside of a, there being a bunch of new champions and i have no idea what they do and they kill me all the time because i'm just like what was that move how did this guy work i feel like i just need to sit down and watch all of like the champion spotlights of the different champions that have like come out and been reworked like mordekaiser got a rework aurelia got a rework um uh and then a whole bunch of champions have obviously come out in the last three years and then there's all of these items that are different uh, and there are, like, plants now. Have you heard about the League of Legends plants, Mango? What? You are, you mean the things in the jungle that you hit? Yeah. Okay. That was, like, right at the end of when we... St- when we uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I think that came out right when... And I also think that there was some other stuff that came out. Because, like, I have vague feelings of uh, playing, like, flex mode and stuff like that. We definitely played a little bit of that um, when it when it came to when it came to league but yeah so and also the krugs are different do you remember the krugs on the bottom of the, of the yeah map, they like, they, the they like split right yeah they split now and i was just like what like i killed the i killed the krug and then i killed the other krug because i was jungling today and i was like wait what are these new krugs and then i killed those and then they split again and i was like wait what are these new krugs it's all different and i don't understand but i'm still good at yasuo so that's what really matters I'm just imagining you hitting the Krugs with your Yasuo sword and just like, you know, oh, this is different. I don't like it. And just screaming and running away from your computer. Honestly, the only champion that I have been good at is Yasuo. Every other champion I've been like awful at. Um, And I I just like keep losing. (laughs) Like I honestly, hold on. Let me look. I can look up my... uh, Yeah, so I have a defeat on Udyr, four wins on Yasuo... Two defeats on 
Twisted Fate, two defeats on Ezreal, a defeat on Caitlyn, a defeat on Singed, another two wins on Yasuo. It's just like there is the only it's the only way that this this works is that I'm good on Yasuo and I'm bad at everybody else. Well, it sounds like you should keep playing Yasuo. Yeah, I guess the so. metrics the the metrics have demanded it. Yeah. <laughs> no more choices for you, buddy. You play Yasuo from now on. Uh, Oof, I'm getting MVPs on OP.GG. Do you remember OP.GG? Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. And it, apparently it will highlight one player from the game as the MVP of that game. And two of my big Yasuo play games uh, are games where I got MVP, which is nice. Um, I almost want to, like, I, I want to, like, dig into some of the big differences and how League is different than it used to be. But part of me has been feeling this, like, burnout, you know, like, question or whatever when it comes to... There, there's a certain amount of... Um, I feel like there is a certain amount of play that we... That I see when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to League, where because every win could have been cleaner and every loss could have been a win there is a certain like dampened i i i don't get that same feeling where you know when i defeat jaina in like a wow raid that just feels good like pretty unequivocally um but when i win a league of legends game a lot of the times i hear from people like i hear from my friends who i'm playing with they will say something like Oh, you know, we really should have closed this out earlier or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes. I remember these things from it's like a voice calling to me from the void. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I am I am I doing bad things? Are you getting I'm tempted 53 now? 53 for a moment. Yeah, no, I <laughs> uh we're going to get copyright <laughs> struck for that. Um maybe not. I get the sense that there isn't um, much of an ability to do off-meta stuff anymore. I have not seen much off-meta stuff. And it looks like all of the big off-meta champions have been uh, sort of... They're kind of gone. Um, Like, Mordekaiser just got a rework. and uh, Are you just trying to convince me to never come back to this game? Uh, no, I mean, I definitely do think that there is off-meta stuff to do in terms of gameplay. Like, for instance, Udyr. Okay, so apparently the new Udyr build, which is just like the split-push god Udyr, is you max out bear, you max out tiger and bear, and you just never group. You constantly split-push. And if anybody comes to fight you, you either 1v1 them and win, or you run away and go split push in like another like in another lane and nobody can ever chase you down because you're just like too fast or whatever um and so there's definitely there there's definitely like a lot of like off meta stuff and like gameplay and like there are certain champions that are good i hear people say you know lux is really overpowered right now or like whatever else um but I feel like it is the the metas are much more about strat. They, in a way, it is built. Something is built to be off meta. Like apparently, there's an AD carry. I think her name is Kaisa, who is an AP AD carry, like with like auto attacks or whatever. But her auto attacks do a whole bunch of like AP damage. So like if you have a Yasuo or a Zed mid lane or whatever, you can go Kaisa bottom lane, and she functions like an AD carry, but she, all of her damage is magic damage, which is like different 
or whatever. So I think that there's like some of that stuff. There's Pike. Have you heard about Pike? No, I haven't heard about any hero. I don't think except no, okay, there was the yeah. Forge one. Pike but... is this like harpoon pirate guy, and I hate Pike because he has a hook like Blitzcrank or something. Um, and I'm very awful at. I'm just completely garbage. At Wait, what kind of hero is he? Um, he's a and he's a, he's a support, but he he's like an assassin support. He's very hold squishy. on. I'm downloading League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so, yes, like, one of his moves is he, like, throws a a harpoon or whatever, and his ultimate is, like, an execute. And so, like, the whole way that you play Pike is you are doing a bunch of damage and trying to kill Steel from your AD carry because one of his passives is he never gets kill or he does get kill gold but like he spreads the kill gold to everyone equally so it is impossible for him to kill steal or something like that and he's like a damage dealing support so if you've ever wanted to be a support where you actually build dps play pike i guess um it's a it's a it's a it's crazy it's a whole thing it sounds like it. Sounds very wow. interesting. So I'll let you know that it says ETA one minute on updating League of Legends. So you know you've had League of Legends on your computer this whole time. No, I, I literally just downloaded it when I said I was. I wasn't oh, lying. Okay. It wasn't just you, a joke. You really but, do want to play Pike? <laughs> yeah, no, like that sounds like entirely my jam. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I think that's what they. Um, I think that that's what they've been looking for. Is they've been looking for ways to build. They have a. Do you remember Abathur from Heroes of the Storm? Uh no. Abathur's thing is that he's not really a champion. Like he never team fights or whatever. He like possesses other champions. Oh on right, the map. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they added a champion in League called like Yumi, who's like a cat, and she does that. Um, so I so I definitely think that there have been champions who have been released that are doing off meta things, but in not the same way that like Warwick was an off meta champion, um, in the, or like AP Warwick was, was an off meta champion, which was like you were doing something that was kind of like unintended. They they do off meta things, but it is like intended off meta things, I guess. Okay, interesting. That makes that makes a lot of sense, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, I look forward to hearing all about you playing Pike. Um, but I guess we're, I guess we are uh, done for now. Oh wow, that was really short. I, uh, I'm, I'm logged into the launcher now. Oh my um, god. <laughs> oh, 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 because it's got, it's got the downloading on the upper left hand corner. So I still got five minutes before we can do next week episode on on League of Legends. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, if you'd like to email us about why we're making mistakes by going back to League of Legends or about what you think about <laughs> false choices or any of the other things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at somedurfsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at uh, somedurfsplaygames.com or podcast at somedurfsplay.games. Follow us at twitch.tv slash somedurfsplaygames. Um, maybe we'll stream some League, I guess, because there's nothing better for us to do. Um, what else? Oh, we've got a Patreon. If you feel like giving me money, do it. Giving us money, frankly, I, I feel like I feel like we're we're kind of, we're, we're still in the hole for like hosting fees. So how much money? How much money do do people need to give us on Patreon before we start doing like 
special bonus stuff. All right, Ten so, bucks, so twenty dollars. So, <laughs> so my thought was, if we do, if we hit fifty dollars a month, because that would cover all of our costs, or that covers the that covers you know a month's portion of the of the SoundCloud hosting, a month's portion of uh, or the the the. Squarespace site and the uh, the the domain registration hosting, um, all amortized. So, uh, yeah, if you want to hear us do special bonus episodes on uh, things that are outside of the normal wheelhouse, I guess. I do want to hear uh, us talk about politics. Yeah, yeah, we can do. We should. We, that, that's that's inevitably what's going to happen for at least one. One hundred percent, that will end up yeah. happening. But you know, hey, listen. Sometimes I want to talk about sports. No. Uh, what other things do people talk about that's not games? Food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, we could we could do. A, I I made uh, I made carbonara tonight for dinner that I made with bacon that I cured myself. So you know. <laughs> oh really? We could yeah, we could definitely do a, a cooking podcast. That's actually something my dad really was. loves to do. Uh, is is cure his own meats. Um, mm. It's neat. I over I cured or I over I overcooked my bacon so it tasted a little bit more like ham. Still made a decent carbonara. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, that's everything I wanted to promote. Buddy, do you have any cured meats you'd like to promote? I don't have any cured meats that I'd like to promote, but I do want to kind of. This is this is. I can't announce anything yet, but I do want to kind of like save this space. Um, I have been coming into contact with a lot of really awesome and really cool indie games recently uh, as part of my new job that I've talked a little bit about with Akupara Games. I am going to start shouting some of those games out here. I will obviously be very honest about the relationship that my company has with said games, but... um, but something that I feel like I've been deficient about as a gamer is, like, playing the coolest off-the-wall indie games. Uh, and I want to do a little bit more of giving that to folks out in the world. Um, so that's future. In the future, I will be doing big shout-outs for, for indie game projects. Sounds awesome. I'm look, I look forward to it. And uh, I just remembered, I've been forgetting for the past few weeks, this is episode 192. As is tradition, episode 200 will be a Q&A, uh, a Q&A uh, episode. So send in your questions to the aforementioned email addresses. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, hopefully we get less questions than last time, given that we, we went for five hours for episode 100. I don't know if I want to do that again, but I, I will if I have to. Again. I want to go 10 hours. Give us 10 hours worth of questions, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, Until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.